great to see you guys here this beautiful Sunday morning just before all the snow hits. I mean, who's ready for that? Winter is finally coming. Yeah, I hear some excitement back there. I'm going to see some sled riders tomorrow, ain't I? Yeah, I bet I am. You know, I'm so glad you're here. I hope the service so far has been an encouragement to you and a blessing to you as we continue this message series, Impact 2022. And today we want to talk about who we are in the community. Who are we supposed to be? What's God calling us to do and to be as individuals, but also collectively as a body of believers? You know, it was a few years ago in China when there was this thief that was going around a hotel to hotel to hotel that was stealing from the hotel lobby. And in this one particular night, this thief snuck into this particular hotel in China and he was trying to be quiet. So in order to be quiet, he took off his shoes because he didn't want his feet to be squeaking on the floor as he walked through the lobby so that the hotel manager would not know that he was there. But there was a problem. His feet stunk so bad that it alerted the hotel manager. The hotel manager smelled his feet and realized someone is in here. And they caught the odor bandit. That's right. They caught him simply by the smell of his feet. You know, physically speaking, speaking, our odor can be a powerful thing. I mean, did you check yourself today? I mean, how often do you do that before you go out? Why? Because our odor is a powerful thing. That's why boys, when we were younger, we sprayed that axe stuff all over. Some of you still do that, don't you? Because our odor is a powerful thing. It makes a difference. And spiritually speaking, did you know you have an odor? You have an odor. And the Bible talks about our spiritual odor, our aroma. You know, spiritually speaking, we need to be mindful of the odor that we're delivering in our world. So have you ever asked yourself, spiritually speaking, how do you smell? We spend a lot of time worrying about how we smell physically, but spiritually, how do you smell? You know, the Apostle Paul put it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 15 to 16. He said, For we are God, the pleasing aroma of Christ, among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one, we are an aroma that brings death. To the other, an aroma that brings life. And who is equal to such a task. You know, as followers of Jesus, our odor, or as Paul wrote, our aroma matters. It matters. You see, Paul, in his writing here in 2 Corinthians, is making a direct correlation to the practices that we saw in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, not only did they make sacrifices of animals to God, but they brought fragrance of offerings to God. And we see that laid out throughout the Old Testament. When they came to God, they brought fragrant offerings to God. And here Paul is saying, now in the New Covenant, as followers of Jesus, we are God's fragrant offering. And so in other words, we live for an audience of one. You know, we live in a world so often where our minds are warring. Why? Because we're trying so hard to get the attention of other people in our life. We're trying so hard to get the approval of other people. And we live as an audience of many people 
trying to get, their, trying to get them to um, admonish us or to, to give us attention or whatever it may be. We try to be accepted and be liked. But here's the reality. The more you try to be liked in this world by others, the more you're going to be disappointed because we were made to, for an audience of one, and that audience is Jesus. And so here Paul is saying, we are to be the aroma of Christ. In other words, my life should strive to be living in a way that brings an odor to God that says, he smells good. That's what we're supposed to live to be and to do and to become. My life is a fragrant offering to God. You know, our aroma should reflect Jesus. It really should. The aroma of you should be a reflection of Jesus. And when we reflect Jesus, we become his aroma. So how do you smell? How do you smell? And because of all the competing worldviews that we have in our world today, we're in a, a significant cultural and worldview battleground. It's intensified, but it's always been there from the beginning of time. And the worldview battleground is what Satan's trying to do to, to, to toy with our minds, to pull us away from the worldview that Jesus is Christ, that Jesus is the truth to another truth, the truth that more is appeasing to us. Because the heart of mankind, the Bible says, is always a sinful heart, is always a heart that pulls away from God to ourselves. And that's where the battleground goes. And so our worldview is so often shaped by what we surround ourselves with. And oftentimes we surround ourselves with people or things or music or movies or just cultural stuff that's more to satisfy our heart's desire rather than the desire in the heart of Christ. And before you know it, spiritually speaking, we get a little stinky we get a little stinky. So here's the thing. You smell by what you surround yourself with. The odor of you is what you surround yourselves with. You know, when my siblings, when I was younger, my siblings worked at uh, restaurant chains. My sister worked at Burger King, and my brother worked at Ponderosa. My brother was a cook at Ponderosa. I hope he's not watching right now. But here's the thing. When he came home from working at Ponderosa... Sorry if you're watching, Dave. He stunk. Okay? I was like, I'm never eating a Ponderosa. If that's what it smells like. I mean, every food item that they probably could have was all over his clothes. You know? And the same was true when my sister came home from Burger King. I'm like, I'm never going to Burger King again. This is crazy. Because here's the reality. We become the odor of what we surround ourselves with. When I used to go camping, I loved sitting around the campfire. And guess what? Every time I came home, my mom was like, take a shower right now because you stink like campfire smoke. We become the odor of what we surround ourselves physically, but you better believe also spiritually and emotionally as well. You become the odor of your surroundings. So how do you smell? How do you smell spiritually? Your aroma, your spiritual um, odor is a direct reflection of your surroundings. And the more you surround yourself with the world, 
the more you're going to stink like the world. But the more you hang out with Jesus, the more you invest in a relationship with him and surround yourself with others who are also in line with pursuing Jesus, the more you begin to smell like him. And so ultimately, in our aroma, we're called to be his witness. Jesus put it this way before he ascended back into heaven after he died and rose from the grave. Jesus said this in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus said, as you are followers of me, you are to be my witnesses in this world, in your local area, in your city, and all throughout the world. In order to be his witness, we are to be a reflection of him. We are to be his aroma in this world. But to be his witness, you need to know him. You can't be his witness if you don't know him. And in order to know him, you need to be with him. And so often we struggle in our journey with Jesus. We struggle with being his witness in this world because let's be honest, you're not hanging out with him at all. And then you wonder, where is God? How come I don't experience him? How come I don't feel him? How come I'm not raising my hands like other people when we're worshiping? How come I'm just not feeling the vibes like other people say they're feeling the vibes? You know what? Probably because you're not doing anything to hang out with him in the first place. So of course you're not experiencing him. It's the same with any relationship. In order to get to experience the relationship, you need to invest in the relationship. If all you are in relationship is about what they do for you and you put no effort into the relationship, guess what? It's going to die. And the same is true in our relationship with Jesus. In order for us to know him, we need to be with him. And he went to all his great lengths to be with us. He even went to the cross. And he's constantly knocking at the door of every one of your hearts. He says, I just want to be with you. But because we're in a world that's so so competitive with the worldviews that are out there, and we're so bogged down by all the devices in our pockets... We don't hang out with him. And we don't reflect him well sometimes because of that. And the more we surround ourselves with him, and the more we surround ourselves with those who are pursuing him as well, here at Impact we have growth groups, the more we know him and the more we become like him, and quite honestly, the better you smell. So when we talk about smell, what does that mean? I mean, it's not like the body odor, but there's something about you that either reflects Jesus or reflects yourself, reflects God's worldview of he is truth, the way and the life, or the worldview of the world about pleasing yourself. So what is that? You know how you really smell? There's three key components that reflect the odor that is spiritually you. The first is our character. Your character matters. Your character is who you are when nobody else is looking. Your character is who you are in different pockets of people. You know, we've all seen those people who it's like, okay, with this group of people, they're one person. With this group of people, they're another person. This, This group of people, they're another person. You know what the Bible's word for that? Hypocrite. 
And so often, every one of us at some level tends to become guilty of being a hypocrite. Why? Because over here, I'm this to this person. Over here, I'm this to this person. And oftentimes, we are that. Why? Because we've been, we've been led down the path to believe the lie, and that is, I am here to try to get the approval of all these people. They're try to, they're, they exist to, to embrace who I want to be and make me happy, when in reality, we were created for an audience of one. And so when my focus is I live for an audience of one, it doesn't matter if I'm here with this, people, this group of people or over here with this group of people. I need to be the same person. Why? Because I don't live to please them. I don't live for their approval. I live for him and his approval. Because ultimately, I want my life to be a fragrant offering, aroma that just lifts to him. And here's the beautiful thing. When you live your life like that, that fragrance oozes out and it begins to make a difference in other people's life. Your character matters. So does your lifestyle and the choices that you make. That's another way that our smell is revealed. The choices you make is reflection of your spiritual odor. It really is. The lifestyle that you choose to live reveals who you live for, whether you live for Jesus the King or for our own selves and what we try to please or do. And the other, character, the other reflection of your spiritual odor are the words that you use. And this comes across in different ways, my friends. Sometimes we are people who gossip, not good. Sometimes we are people who tear people down rather than build them up. Or some of us, likes to use some words that are a little bit more colorful. Either way, it's a reflection of your heart. It's a reflection that maybe not everything is really going well with your connection with Jesus. That we're really not being a fragrant offering, living for him. My friends, your words matter. Every word that comes out of your mouth matters. James, in his letter in the New Testament, is very specific about this. You know, your words make a significant difference. They'll either kind of guide people in the right direction, or they will tear people apart, is what James writes about. Your words makes a difference. And I know people will say, well, Bill, you know, it doesn't really matter you know, the choices I make or the life I live or the character that I am or the words I use, it really doesn't make a difference. I'm not really affecting anybody else. And let me just tell you something. If that's what you believe, you've been lied to. You've been lied to. Because you need to realize this. Who you are and what you do and every word you use has a tremendous impact on your surroundings, more than you could ever imagine. Good and bad. It's a domino effect of our world. You know, what we reflect has a significant impact on our surroundings. I mean, we see it every day in our life. The choices people make, the words they use, and the domino effects it has on everybody around them and even beyond that. You know, you impact people beyond the people that you're directly in contact with. Did you know that? Because how you treat them, how you act, how you respond, the person you are does something in their life. 
And then in turn, it turns around and they begin to do something in somebody else's life. And before you know it, you have a direct impact with multiple generations of people. All by your character, your lifestyle, and your words. It matters. It's a significant domino effect. And you know what? We see it time and time again, not just throughout history, but in the Bible as well. There are multiple stories of generational impact by the lives that people lived from the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament. For example, in the New Testament, we see in Acts chapter 7, this man by the name of Stephen. Stephen was a man who lived for Jesus. And at that time, there was a lot of opposition, just like today, towards the church. And Stephen lived for Jesus and spoke for Jesus, and he was arrested. And there came a time in Acts 7 when they were stoning him. They were killing him because of the God he served and lived for. And while they were stoning and killing him, Stephen looked out all the people, and just like Jesus on the cross said, Jesus loved them, forgive them. And then the Bible makes a very interesting highlight of a person that was standing there watching the murder that was taking place. His name was Saul. This is the first introduction we have to this man Saul in the New Testament. And there he was watching the murder of Stephen. Probably feeling pretty good about himself. And as we move forward in Acts chapter 8, we see Saul then go out and he began his ministry, his mission, and that was to destroy the church, to annihilate it, to kill everybody who claimed to follow Jesus. That was his mission. And the Bible says all the believers scattered. In Acts chapter 8, here's the amazing thing. It says those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. They didn't allow their circumstances to cause them to quiet down or to back down or go away and hide. No matter where they went, no matter what life threw at them, no, how, no matter how difficult it was, they used it as an opportunity to reflect Jesus. And I believe when that happens, seeds are planted all the time. Our reflection, our odor, our aroma matters. And there was Saul, gloating about the murder of Stephen, then going out and murdering other Christians himself. And then we come across Acts chapter 9. I'm sure Acts 9 didn't just happen. I believe as you read those two chapters and you really dive into it, you realize some seeds were already planted in Saul. Uh, some reflections of Bible believers, Jesus believers, Jesus followers were kind of getting into them. Like, there's something different about these people. I mean, I watched this man, Stephen, be murdered right in front of me. We're all cheering, and he's saying, forgive them. There's something different about these people. I believe there was a seed planted in Saul that was carried out by God in Acts chapter 9. You see, the Bible says that if we just plant the seeds and water, God makes the growth happen. And we see this come into play in Saul's life in Acts chapter 9 on the road to Damascus. He was on this road to the city of Damascus. Why? To kill more Christians. And then he met Jesus. He met Jesus on that road. And I believe Jesus began to work in the seeds that were already planted in his heart by what he witnessed before. And on that road, Saul the murderer completely transformed his life. 
The Bible says that God is the God who can renew minds. And here we saw it happen. And he transformed the life of Saul into the apostle Paul. And because of that, thousands upon thousands of people came to know Jesus. The domino effect. Who you are. Even when life is not going your way, who you are, the words you use, the choices you make, the character of you, it matters. It's the aroma of Jesus. It's the reflection of him. You see, you represent something. Every one of us represents Something, And I think it's time for us to be honest with ourselves and ask ourselves, what is it? What am I representing with the life that I live? With the character of me? With the words I use? What am I representing? Because if you choose to follow Jesus, our goal is to be his aroma to be the fragrant offering, to be his reflection in this world. Ultimately, as followers of Jesus, we're supposed to be moons. You know, scientifically speaking, what is the purpose of the moon? The moon does not give light. The moon reflects the light in the darkness. You know, so often we try to be our own light. We try to be our own sign, sun, and we fail because we're not a source of light by any means because God created us to be moons, not the sun. There was one sun, and he went to the cross to die so that we can have the opportunity to continue to be the reflection of his light. And so we're called to live as moons. You see, just like when a nice guy comes over, We live in a very darkened world, and way out there somewhere is the sun shining. And he called the church, which is the followers of him, to be his reflection, to be his aroma in the world. We are called to be the moon. That when this world gets dark, and it is, that we are supposed to be so connected with him that when we stand in the darkness of the world, It is inevitable that we become the reflection of his light. And you know, in a dark, dark night sky, when the moon is bright, what a beautiful thing it is. And even in its own reflection, it can provide just enough light to get you through. And he's called us to be the moon in this world. Will you be the moon? To be the moon, it means I need to accept the fact that I'm not the light. I'm not the source. I'm not what the solar universe is centered around. You know, that's the hard one. Because the universe, our our little galaxy centers around the sun. And we want our world to center around us. When in reality, we're not the center. We're just one of the moons. Will you be a reflection of him? in this world and your reflection matters to become a strong reflection is to think about how you smell in your character in your choices and in your words at some point you need to do a self-evaluation of your reflection you know and here's some things that i just encourage you to go home today and this week and do your own self-evaluation of you 
What is the reflection of my character? I mean, am I living a life to try to please other people? Am I trying to live a life to try to get the approval of all these other people in my life? Or am I living in such a way that I live for an audience of one? I live to be a fragrant offering to him and him alone. And that means if you see Bill at church, at home, in the grocery store, or walking through the community, you should ultimately see primarily the same person. I'm not perfect, I, I'm, I promise you that. None of us are. But the normalcy of who I am and the normalcy of you should be the same person if I'm living for the audience of one. What's the reflection of my character? The next question that we need to do to self-evaluate is what is the reflection of my words? Are my words primarily used to build other people up and encourage people? Or am I one of those people that when their backs are turned, I just gripe and tear them down? Am I one of those people on Facebook that I'm one of the quick ones to throw the darts from a distance rather than encouraging and loving those even when I may not understand what they are doing? Am I a person that considers my words wisely with every word that comes out of my mouth or do I cuss like a sailor? Your words matter. They matter. And they make a significant difference. And the third self-evaluation of your reflection is what is the reflection of, of how I conduct my life, the choices I make, the decisions I make, the lifestyle I choose to run towards. It matters. And I think at some point, every one of us should sit down and truly evaluate our smell, our reflection of who we are. Paul put it this way in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 16. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. We live in a very evil day and age and a very evil world. But we're called to consider everything we do, every choice we make, every word we use, every, every character step we take and to make the most of every opportunity because in every interaction you have with somebody, that may be your only shot. And your only shot may not be the words you use, it may be the character that you are that plants that seed. You know, for Saul, I don't know all the seeds that were planted. All I know is he saw Stephen, he watched him die and be murdered, but he saw something different about this man. And from there on out, he chased Christians. And I'm sure I'm led to believe that he saw different things and different people that just kept planting those seeds, and eventually God made it grow. We're not called to save every person. We're called to be seed planters in every person's life that we come into contact with. And that happens with our words, with our character, and with our choices. We are called to be his reflection individually and collectively as a church. And as we move forward in this year, my hope and my prayer and my goal for us individually and collectively is that we will become the aroma of Christ more and more in this world. That when people see us, ultimately, inevitably, they see Jesus in the person that we are, in the people that we are. You know, ultimately, our hope and goal is to become the witness in this world 
that God called us to be. But in order to become the witness, we need to live beyond ourselves. We need to live beyond what I want. You see, we live in a world that has predetermined the worldview and the philosophy of the world, and that is this. We live for ourselves. We live to please ourselves. We live to be who we want to be or who we feel we are. But that this is in direct opposition with what Jesus actually teaches. See, Jesus says you are to live beyond yourself. Jesus put it this way. He said, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Jesus said, you want to find life? Deny yourself. Stop trying to embrace who you want to be and embrace me. Live beyond yourself. There you find life. I think it's important as we strive to be his witness, maybe a fourth evaluation question we should ask ourselves, do I live for people to serve me or do I live to serve others? In your life, when you go out in your normal day to day, when you go to the restaurant after church, do you live for them to serve you or do you live to serve them? See, as followers of Christ to be a reflection of him, we live to serve. We live to serve. We serve in our character. We serve with our words. We serve with our choices that we make. And we actually serve by being his hands and feet in other people's life. That's why it's so important we value here at Impact the importance of not only being in a growth group so you can be surrounded by people but you can also be on a ministry team where you can use your gifts and talents to serve. Because I believe that the more we serve, the more we experience the heart of God. Whether we're serving on a ministry team or we're out there in the community and we're just serving somebody by an act of kindness, we're called to serve. Are you serving? If you want to be a part of a ministry team and experience the greatness of what that is and what that can be in your life, I encourage you to just put on the connect card in the seat in front of you or online right now just to let the host know that you're interested in finding a place to serve and we'd love to help walk with you and help you find the best spot for you. And I also encourage you to, to find ways to do a random act of kindness every week in at least someone's life. Watch what God will do through you and within you as well. Let's be the moon in this dark world. Let's be the reflection of Jesus that this world so desperately needs. Let's walk around that when people see us, when people smell us, ultimately, they smell the beauty of Christ through our character, through our words, and through our choices. Will you pray with me? <clears throat> Father God, we just come to you right now, and I thank you because of how much you loved us. Lord, just speaking for me personally, I know my life. I know all the mistakes I've made. I know, I know the times that I, I failed miserably in my character, in my words, in my choices. But Lord God, you love me just the same. And thank you for not um, casting us aside, but Lord God, that you walk beside us every step of the way. Lord, we're going to make mistakes but Father God, I just pray for all of us that every day we may take one step closer to you and more and more the normalcy of who we are becomes more of the reflection of you. And Lord, I pray right now that every one of us can be honest in an evaluation. 
in our character, in our choices, in our words, that we may become your fragrance in this world, that we may be moons who ultimately reflects your light. Lord God, may we not live to serve ourselves, but may we become people who live to serve others. It's in your name we pray, amen. 